The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, today our show is about one woman's fight for love for her entire life, and it's just an amazing story. So um, I have these beautiful three books right here in front of me that I've been reading, and it's written by Maria Nambu's uh, Maria Nambu, and she likes to go by Nambu. And it's a gripping serial memoir of Dancing Soul Trilogy. And it chronicles really her life difficulties and challenges of her as an African um, uh, orphan and what she what she went through when she was just, you know, in this orphanage when she was just a couple days old. And then how she really triumphed and fulfilled her life in the United States. So it's pretty amazing what she went through. And I have the, the books. The first book um, by Nambu is called America's Child. The next one is called America's Daughter. And the next one is called Drumbeats, Heartbeats. And it really goes through her entire life. But it is fascinating to read. And really, the whole time that she is really looking for love, as we all are. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Um, She was born in Tanzania, East Africa, and she was raised by German nuns at an orphanage for mixed-race children. Her dad was black, her mother was white. She found out later all of this, because at first she thought, Her mom was black and her dad was white, but she was pretty shocked when she found this. We're going to talk about that. And she went through a lot of hardships. And these nuns, when she was little, were not exactly loving and kind. (laughs) And uh, throughout the, uh, the very many hardships and mixed blessings of her child, she did sustain and she did grow. And her spirit really rose when she got through dance And she kept her dream alive through better education. And she was able to fulfill her goal in life in the United States, where she attended St. Catherine University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Of course, now she's smart and got out of the cold, and she lives in Delray Beach, Florida. (laughs) And she had a full academic scholarship. She graduated in 1967 with honors in French, and she pursued graduate studies at the University of Maine, uh, Laval University in Quebec, Canada, and the University of Rennes in France. So she has really gone from being a, a little baby who was just unwanted in an orphanage to really finding her life and having her own family and children. So I'm so excited to have you join us, Nambu. 
Oh, I am too. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit, you know, you had a real journey. Uh, Tell us a little bit about, you know, being in that orphanage in Kifungi Lo. Is that, did I pronounce it right? In Tanzania. Yeah, yeah, Kifungi Lo. Yeah, that's. Yes. Um, All right. The whole, uh, the premise of the orphanage itself was um, in Tanzania at that time, which was a long, long time ago. Of course, I was born in 43. So uh, at that time, mixed-race children were not very well accepted in the, in the society. The uh, African mothers, for the most part, you know, were, you know, had us. They, they were very often ostracized, and they were ashamed of us. And they, very often the white fathers, they didn't even acknowledge us, and we never knew even, you know, where they were or who they were. So uh, some of us would just, the, the Africans would take us to the villages and they would hide us over there. So they were not uh, ostracized and they, they didn't have a tough time because of us. And some of us might live and die without ever playing outside or seeing the sun or, wow. or anything. Every time I think about that, I'm just so grateful that I wasn't one of those. Mm. So uh, th- there was this, uh, like you said, the uh, nuns, the German nuns of the Order of the Precious Blood Sisters, they were Catholic. Uh, they came to Tanzania and to Kifungilo, and they opened up an orphanage for us, for mixed-race children. So word got around the country uh, that there was a place for us now, and, ev- and, and everyone brought their children there just in as many as you, they, they, were, they could. They were like, at the time I was there, they were like 75, mm-hmm. and uh, they came Every age and every size. Some like were 25, some were 18, some were 3, some were 5, some were 7. Oh. I was brought there when I was 3 days old. Yeah. So the orphanage was almost like my home. So the, the, the bigger girls who were there who were 20 or 22, they took care of the little girls, you know, our grooming, our feeding and everything. Right. And uh, uh, unfortunately... They are the ones who, for the most part, really, really abused us. As you saw in the story, there are many incidents. Yeah. I talk about how we were beaten just routinely, you know, almost yeah. every day, and sometimes we didn't even know why. And the school itself, uh, the nuns also educated us. Uh, we went only up to the fourth grade. Mm. So, yeah, yes. The nuns, most of the time, they were, they were good. They they tried their best, you know, they were doing God's work, they were converting us and the pagans around who lived in the villages, supposedly the pagans around us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, so they did their best, but there were also some who were, as you could see in the book, were very, very, very cruel. Yeah. And so it, it was a tough life because I remember as a child, what I remember the, the most, I was very, very young and I kept always asking, I was always being Catholic, I was always praying to baby Jesus, why, why, asking him, where is my mother? I was yeah. looking for my mother for as long as I can remember, just going every single place, trying to see who could be my mother, guessing who might, who might not be. So, uh, and, you thought I, she was, and you thought she was black, right? Yes, of course, because almost every, every, you know, everybody was black. Uh, the parents, you know, uh, of the Kids who were in uh, at, the, at Kifungilo. I forgot to tell you that not everybody who came there was an orphan. There were some families, some couples that were legally married, 
but uh, their kids were mixed race, and so that we, they called they were called the same terrible names that all of us who didn't have parents were called, and so they brought them there because at least they were ex- accepted. Oh. But those children who had parents, they went home for holidays. They oh. had dolls, they had gifts, and it it was just like the haves and the have-nots. Right. It was truly, you know, truly difficult. So. Uh, the parents also, the Kifungilo had the reputation of supposedly having a good school. So m- many people brought their kids there, whether they were married, whether they were not, whether they were orphans or not. So it was, it was a mixture, but the majority were mixed race orphans, and almost everybody there was, was mixed race. Right. You know, it reminds me even like, um, you know, in Vietnam, all the kids that were born that you know, the the Vietnamese girls during the, uh, the Vietnam War, then, you know, a lot of them had children with the American GIs, and then those kids were ostracized as well and bullied, mm-hmm. just like you guys were. So it's it's unfortunate, but it's it happens a lot of different places with these mixed-race children. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's a problem that continues even here in America. You know, you can, you right. can see very often when you have... Um, interracial couples, the, the children really have issues to deal with, which the society right. does not really address. But I found the advantage here in America is if you're mixed, even if a little, a little bit mixed, like the Jim Crow laws, you know, you're black. So at yeah. least when I came to America, all of a sudden I belonged, uh, right. I, even though I didn't know anything about the black culture. And very often I was in, in, I went to a school where I was like one of two black people and I was supposed to represent the entire African American and black race when I knew nothing <laughs> about them. I could hardly even speak English. Oh but God. I was black and that was who I was and that's how I was seen and, and they, you had they an knew identity. everything about me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like I said, the, the positive side is on my side, I was, had been searching for an identity my whole life. Now here, all of a sudden I was black. So that right. was a, a really big positive and I ended up <laughs> learning a lot about the African Americans and the black people so so I would right. know I would find out right. who I'm supposed to be. Right, right. So yeah. um yeah, I remember you poor thing when you got malaria. I was reading about that. Oh my gosh, you know how yeah. poor little thing. I mean you really had it very rough. So how how is it is that you know, tell my audience, I know what happened, but tell my audience how you finally eventually did get out of that orphanage. Yes, um, like I said, we were, the, we were educated only up to the fourth grade, but every so often the mother superior would, would find some money, you know, because education there was not free. Everybody had to pay a school, a school fees, even though they were very low in American standards. Most people didn't, didn't even come close to being able to afford to send their children to school. So uh, Mother Rufina or the Mother Superior would, fi- would find some money from some benefactors, some people from Germany, some tourists, and uh, she sent some people. She would say, I can send five people to school. The first time she said that, I thought I would be chosen, and I wasn't chosen, and I was really, really upset. But then about four years later, I was chosen to go to an African school, which was 200 miles away. And it was like my first time to get to see or to even get in a bus, you know, because this orphanage was truly remote. Wow. And um, 
So when I was finishing that school, which was truly like jumping from the frying pan into the fire, <laughs> because the life in yeah. the African school, it was on all African school, it was also the same German Precious Blood Sisters who ran it, was truly difficult. And over there, we too were called every name, every name in the mm. book. We were ostracized like even, even more. It was a very, very tough situation so that it was so bad that we could not wait to go back to the orphanage for uh, holidays. Uh. So all schools were boarding schools. We stayed there for 10 months and then we went to, uh, to the orphanage for holidays and we couldn't wait to get there. Even though yeah. our problems and, and <laughs> everything over there, the abuse was, we knew yeah. it will continue, but it was still better than, than the, the school yeah. so far away where we were the exception rather than the rule. Right. So, um, when I finished that school, I was lucky enough to be chosen in the eighth grade. And a word got around that there was uh, a secondary school, the first secondary school for girls in the country that was started by an American order of sisters, the Mary Knoll sisters from New York. They were also Catholic, and I was chosen to go to that school. They were like night and day from the German nuns. You know, we just could not believe it. They made me really believe that religion could be something good yeah. and because I had such negative uh, feelings about it but uh, they were well, just the Germans very were wonderful. Not, the Germans weren't exactly warm and loving and friendly. No and, I mean yeah. they as I said not all of them but I think yeah they, they were they didn't show us you know they, they didn't hug us they didn't smile as often you know we're yeah. mostly disciplined we were taught what we needed to know in life right. which I've been grateful very often my I think I have myself disciplined from them but the Americans they they let us know that we were loved yeah. they let us know that they loved our culture and yeah. and uh like uh, over at the orphanage we we didn't do african dancing i used to sneak into the village to go and learn african oh. dancing because i knew i needed to dance i just i felt so good when i danced and at the orphanage we were only taught if we were taught anything it was the german walls or, or some British people, because we were under the British, you know, it were a British colony, yeah. they would come and do girl guides and they would teach us English country dances, you know. Right. So right. it was just yeah. nothing that I, and I liked the drums. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I managed to, to go to this school with them. They were run by American sisters. And my senior year there, there was a lady, a lay teacher who volunteered a year of her life to go and teach at this school, this secondary school, and she was my English teacher. She heard, you know, about my story and that for vacation or when I was finished with school, they had nowhere to go, I had no home, I'd go, have to go back to the orphanage. Yeah. And so she adopted me and brought me to America. Right. She was only 23 years she old. She was only and four I years older. <laughs> yeah, she was only four years older than you. Yes, I mean, it was, and I, I always wonder how I did, but I think, I, like, you, like you said, I was looking for love my entire life, and right. here was this woman. I, it didn't occur, to, I knew she was only 23, but <laughs> it never occurred to me that it was an impossibility that she, she could, be, you know, I know that physically she couldn't be my mother, but, <laughs> but I attributed everything I, I was looking for in a mother. Oh. I attributed those to her, and luckily she she was there. She provided them. She was she gave me everything I really needed, and that I thought a mother would give. I always say that I was so lucky she didn't think everything completely through right away, <laughs> because she was 23, hardly out of adolescence herself, and I was a 19 year old kind of basket case, Af case African, yeah. fully grown with. <laughs> 
total culture, different culture, different language. Right. But she... She was I, a saint. I, she was I a tried s- to figure it out, you yeah. know, and I think she saw me, and she didn't see me with her eyes. She saw me with her heart, and, and she felt it. And she, she, she you know, when you, when, when you see with your heart, when you see with love, you see with your emotions, and emotions don't really filter. Emotions are very real. Sometimes if you look at, you see something through your brain, you're always editing it. You're always trying to figure out, will it work, will it work, I wonder. But if you, you see something with your heart, you just, you just think it's okay. You just feel. You don't even know why it is yeah. there. So she saw me with her heart. She saw a need, and even, and even she was also an only child. Uh, and her mother had died when she was young. So she, she, she said, you know, if I cannot have a mother, maybe I can be a mother. Aww. And she just took it on. I mean, until today, I am just blown away at the faith and the love and the dedication and the commitment she had to helping me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how come I came to America. She adopted me and brought me to America, and I went to school over here. And she's my my children call her grandma, and I yeah. I never called her mom the word. I never used the word mom. But <laughs> she was I more always, like a she sister. Was my mom. Yeah, but she was like a big sister, really. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So then you you always had this desire to meet your real mom and your dad. Yes, Why don't you talk about that? That was that was a a pretty amazing shock to you, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, when I was 36, okay, finished college, I'm married, and I have my first child who was six years old. Kathy told me she got a letter from this woman who said she was my birth mother, and she was looking for me. So she came over, and I met her, and I, I always talk about about how shocked I was because she <laughs> described what she would be wearing when she came from the air, you know, from the plane and in the airport, and she would be carrying this kind of a bag and this and kind of a hat. You had no idea she'd be white. <laughs> yes, and no, I was, I was looking. Everybody went by, and and I just thought she didn't make it because I was not looking for a white woman. And then yes. I saw her talking to Kathy. I, I really had the shock of my life. But you know, I always <laughs> imagined her to be African, like most of their mothers were yeah. at the orphanage. But yeah. she was not only white, she was an American. Right. So and, and, and you will see, you know, in the story, it, that really makes a difference. And we find out, in retrospect, Kathy knew a lot more and was sworn to secrecy not to tell uh. me anything. But my mother is the one who helped her, although Kathy had never met her, it was through the nuns. The nuns always right. knew who she was. <gasps> and she helped her get me a passport. An wow. American passport because I had no birth certificate. Nobody knew my mother, ah. my father, or my mother. So, but she, being an American, she she went to the State Department in the capital and vouched that she was I was her her daughter, and I got American citizenship. So I came to America to up to America as as an American. Yeah. So yes. that was so she that did was that. pretty. That was a wonderful one thing she, thing did, for she me. did, right? Because she. <laughs> She wasn't exactly a loving mother, but that was her way of doing something for you, I guess. Exactly, and it was and it was really, really big. 
you know, because as you could, you see, you know, when we actually met and the time I got to know her for about 10 years, you know, she, she was not easy. She was really a challenge. Like she wouldn't, I was so excited to meet my mother, my yeah. birth mother, and I found she was old enough. I could actually call her mom yeah. when I could not call Kathy. And I asked her, can I call you mom? And she told me, no, call me Dorothy. Yeah. This was her name. And so you that, said that she actually came to see you at the orphanage sometime. She had been there, but she never let you yes. know. You know, we used to be dressed to be shown for adoption. We were right. all dressed up. And, and, of course, the nuns knew that they knew that I had a mother. And she used to come and visit with the, with, you know, she used to come on, on the pretext that she oh. was coming to adopt someone. So three or four of us would be dressed up. So no, if only I was dressed up, I probably would have been suspicious. But they just kind of dressed up, up and took ah. us to see this woman. And here she was. And uh, so I had no clue who she was and whatever, but mm. she came on her own. And, and I didn't know any of that until she told me when I, was, when I met her 36 years later that she always kept track of me, that she came to wow. visit me. And I said, I don't remember you ever visiting right. me. And she said, yes. And then I remembered all those visits oh. that I, I had. Well, I was all of a sudden they cleaned, they put the one pair of shoes. Right. I couldn't even walk in because I'd never worn shoes to to run down and my pretty yeah. dress and my hair was fixed up mm. so to go for her to see me and then as soon as it was finished I had to put, take all those clothes and put them and, away and such a so I remember all those instances yeah. yes and it was her but I, I did not know yeah 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 so uh, yeah so she she when, also introduced you to your half brother right yes introduced me to my half brother Larry who was a really really wonderful man yeah. And he was brought up in Tanzania, too. He went, he and his parents went there. His parents were, his father was a missionary. And uh, when he was two years old, you know, they went by one of those old uh, uh, ships, really old, old tubs, so to speak, is what he called it. And uh, he was two, and he was brought up over there, and he came back here to go to college, and he was a, a pediatrician in Boston. So as soon as our mother told him about me, he took the next plane and, and came over, you know, to meet me. And he was, he was very, very, he was really the brother. Uh, if I would travel the world and find someone to pick someone to be my brother, I would have picked him. Yeah. He, was, he was just everything that our mother wasn't. And um, so he, he, he was the one who asked his mother, our mother, to tell me about my father, but she, wouldn't, she didn't tell me one word, not one. So we asked her to write about it in, if she couldn't tell us. And, he, you know, when she dies, at least put it someplace so we would find out. So she did, she did die. Uh, and a, a few years later, about 10 years after I met her, but she didn't leave anything for us. So my brother decided that, um, you know, let's go to Tanzania to look for your father. <laughs> yeah. It was like he hadn't been there for like 45 years, and I hadn't wow. been there for like 30-some years. And yeah. I, I didn't know anybody, and he didn't know anybody. <laughs> but so that whole trip, so like the blind leading the blind, <laughs> right, you know. Right, right. But there were many, many miracles along the way, many. I mean, and they this, I, the only way I can describe it is miracles that act, actually led us out of how many 45 million people. Uh, we just go, uh, I mean, for, we, we combed the entire country. It was so such a difficult trip. And the very, very last person we meet when, when we are turning back to come home because we kind of defeated, we, have, we haven't found anybody, we actually 
find him. And and just the coincidences that happened, all of that is just is another story almost by itself. So did he, This the interesting thing is that he was a cook. He was a chef for your parent, for your mom and her husband, right? Yes, yeah, he was their cook. Because those days, you know, uh, and even today in many uh, other countries, people have, have help in the house. And in those days under the British, everybody had servants. One right. servant did the, one, the laundry, another one was the cook, another right. one was the house right. servant, like they right. had them here in the south. So he was the inside servant, and he was their cook. And, but, and that's what I found out, you know, much, much later. So your mother was married to another guy, and meanwhile she was fooling around with, with the chef in her house. Is that yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah he, he, he was married to her husband, who was an American man. And, um, yeah, but when you come to book three, there's a whole lot more that goes into, into the relationship all of them had together, the three of yeah. them. So hey, there was also another. Yeah, and there was another baby, too. You had a stepsister yes. that died at four. She was black, right? She was black, too. And, and was my it brother, the same father? And, and it... they, yeah, they raised them. Uh, our yeah. mother, you know. Yeah, Larry's parents raised us. So Larry, when, when she, he heard about me, when our mother said that she, he, she had found me, when he came to see me, he came to see me right away because he was convinced I was this other girl who was raised with him. And he uh. was away to boarding school. When he came back, his parents told him that uh, Judy was the name right. of this other mixed-race child. Yeah. Judy had died, and they showed him the grave. Right. And in his heart, he never believed it. So fast forward 36 years later, right. the mother says, so he thinks I'm Judy. So he yeah. asks me if I'm Judy, and I'm telling him, I'm sorry, I'm not. But he still does not believe. So when we go to Africa to look for my father, the first thing we had to do before we did anything was to go and look for Judy's grave yeah. so that he can be sure I am not Judy. Right. And we found it. Yeah. So was, was um, your father the, the father, of Judy's father, too? I don't know for sure, because when I look at the pictures, we don't look very similar. Right. But I have a feeling, I have a, a, according to the story and, and what else he tells me, I think he was also. Oh, yeah. Huh. So why did they raise that baby and not you? Did you, did you ever find I think that? they had all good intentions, and uh, because they would not, and they also, I think at that time, probably there, there wasn't the orphanage. I don't know. Oh, this is, so Judy was before kids. you, right? Judy was before. Yeah, she oh. was four years older than me. Oh. And uh, so they raised her, but because they raised her, because she, she was mixed, they, they were kicked out of the mission compound. So they had to go oh. and build their own house out in the village. And uh, so when I came along and I mixed, too, they, they could not afford to keep me. So thank God they heard about this orphanage and they had a place to take me. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so the, yeah, that's, that was just amazing. Mm. Whoa. So, so then what, you know, you, you, I know you had a, a loving relationship with your brother and then you kind of lost touch with him, but you know, you always loved your brother. So, yes. yeah, so that, let's talk a little bit because we don't have, we have about two more minutes and it's a fascinating story. What are some of the life lessons that you want to share? Because that's really about, love is all that really matters, right? I mean, you, yes. you went through, you had your own kids, you got married, you got a divorce. I mean, what are some, what 
life lessons you want to share with us in the last, like, two minutes here? You know, I, people ask me that, and I, I never know quite, you know, what to say. All I can say is, is what I did. One of the things I found that truly helped me, that, that helped me survive from the orphanage, from the time I was three or four, I made the decision, since I had nobody who loved me, and, I, and whether I lived or died, it wouldn't make a difference to anybody. I completely mm-hmm. believe that I realized it would make a difference to me. I wanted to live. So I chose to love myself at a very, very early age. And that no matter what happened, I loved myself. I created kind of another me whom I also I called Fat Mary. I was yeah. fat as a child. I was called Fat Mary. So I just learned to love myself unconditionally and, uh, and, and, and to, to fight for myself. I learned that I was in charge of my life. I was in charge of my happiness. The nuns could not give me happiness no matter how many wonderful material things they gave me. I had to take things into my hand, and I, I had to pursue my life. And I had, in spite of everything, no matter what I was told I was or wasn't, the biggest life lesson for me was that I was special, I was precious, and I mattered in this world. And if I loved myself, I would be okay. And I find that that helps me every single day, even today. No matter what happens, I turn inside and I look at myself. I know I'm a good person. Uh, I know I have a lot to give from my experiences. It's always, you know, give and take. So I, and I also learned that, um, you know, like I learned to dance, I, I, I always felt that dance was an outlet, that we need some kind of an outlet. Yes. And uh, that helped me. Whenever I was sad, I would just dance. Because I was, when you dance the African way, it's just joyful. Yes. I just had oh, so much joy. But mostly I learned to love myself and to know that I was in charge of my own happiness, and I had to create my own happiness with a lot of help, of course, from yeah. everybody else. Well, that's but a perfect. I was in charge. Yeah, that's a perfect way to end because we are out of time. So that is really wonderful, and I just want you to uh, give your website, and it's time for us to go. Okay, my website is my name Maria Nambu. And Nambu is spelled N-H-A-M-B-U. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.